Good morning again, and if you would take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Romans towards the end, Romans chapter 16, Romans chapter 16. And we're going to look at uh, verses 1 to 16. You know, if you've read through the book of Romans, uh, it's easy to get bogged down with a lot of doctrine. And you have to hit it a couple of times, back up and get a running head start again to many times understand what the Apostle Paul is saying. But when you get to chapter 16, it's not that way. Because what Paul does is he begins to remember, relate, and commend certain people in his life. Um, and that's a very um, noteworthy thing to do regarding noteworthy people. And it's uh, kind of refreshing to end the book with thinking about how people influenced the life of the Apostle Paul. One, uh, well, I'm going to read. Uh, I'm going to read the passage for us here. It's one through sixteen, so that you know who, what we're talking about. Romans sixteen one through sixteen. I commend you unto you, Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church which is at Sancria, that ye receive her in the Lord as becometh saints and that you assist her in whatever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a succorer of many, and of myself also. Give Priscilla and Aquila my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles." Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Epinetus, who is the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ. Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord, salute Urbane, our helper in Christ, and Stachus, my beloved, salute Apollos, approved in Christ, salute them which are of Aristobulus's household, salute Herodion, my kinsman, greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord, salute Tryphena and Tryphosa, who labor in the Lord, salute the beloved Persis, which labored much in the Lord. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord and his mother and mine. Salute Asyncretus, Phlegon, Hermas, Petrobus, Hermes, and the brethren which are with them. Salute Philologus and Julia, Nerus and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints which are with them. You know, sometimes I ask men to uh, read the passage 
before Pastor Cochran speaks. Sometimes he asks me to do that, to arrange for somebody. Um, are you happy, guys, that uh, no one asked you today to come up and read this passage? We would have all been chuckling before it was over with, okay? And I didn't even do my best on uh, a couple of them. Um, so we're going to meet a number of people in this time that we have this morning who had an impact on Paul's life, and he looks back on them uh, with gratitude and affection, and they are listed in the inspired word of God. Now, one commentator gives this testimony as to how the Lord used the book of Romans specifically in bringing him to salvation in Christ. Um, I had this gentleman uh, for a class or two in college, very kind and gentle and humble man, and he gives this preface to the reader in a commentary he wrote on the book of Romans. When the author was a child, he had a series of attacks of rheumatic fever, which led to the heart failure and a staggering heart murmur. He was often out of school and on one occasion was confined to his bed for over a year. During this time, he read every book he could get his hands on. His grandmother gave him a Bible. Since it was such a large book, he decided to read it just a few chapters a day. But he soon was caught up in the exciting narrative of the historical books. In the Psalms and the Prophets, he saw very clearly the portrait of the coming Redeemer who would save his people from their sins. When he got to Matthew, he saw that Matthew identified that Redeemer as the Lord Jesus Christ, who would save his people from their sins. When he got to Matthew, he saw that Matthew identified the Redeemer as the Lord Jesus Christ. He read the Gospels with wonder at the power and love that Christ manifested. In Acts, he saw that the apostles preached the gospel of salvation to all who would believe. But when he got to Romans, the Holy Spirit was dealing directly with him. As he read, he saw that there was none righteous, no, not one, Romans 3.10, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3.23. And that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23 Paul had cried out, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Romans 7, verse 24. And that was the author's question as well. Paul's answer was, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord in 724, and for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10.13 The author called out, crawled out of his bed. He kneeled down beside it and asked the Lord Jesus to save him. It was all done in a moment. The date was January 9th, 1946.
man had a gracious testimony for the Lord. Look what the Scriptures did for him. How the Scriptures led him to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible doctrine laid out in the book of Romans is absolutely vital. It goes without saying. But in chapter 16, we are reminded that there are people connections that encourage the work. We see that here in our church. The Apostle Paul did not serve God in isolation, though sometimes we might see only him in the book of Acts or in his writings. He did not serve God in isolation. He knew a lot of people who enjoyed being with him, both through thick and thin. So let's not skim through this last chapter just because it contains many names of seemingly not so important people. These relationships were very important to Paul, such that he includes them in the very word of God. All right, so let's begin at the beginning. And the section that I read can very easily be divided up into just two sections. And they center around particularly one individual up front who uh, had a singular responsibility and impact on Paul's life. And then a number of other folks that come in rapid succession, but that meant a lot to Paul. The first one, uh, we'll say Paul's patron. Paul's patron. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Sencrea, that you receive her in the Lord as becometh saints, and that you assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a succorer of many, and of myself also. Now, I haven't used the word succorer in the last 20 years plus, all right? What does that mean? What is a succorer? Well, it's simply a, a helper of sorts, okay? An encourager, a supporter. This uh, woman, Phoebe, was a genuine servant of God. She was the one who carries the very book of Romans, we understand, to Rome from Corinth. And along with it, Paul includes a letter of commendation to the church at Rome. What a responsibility to carry the manuscript of the book of Romans all the way to Rome. Uh, you know, that's, you would think that she had a couple of bodyguards with her. And, well, maybe she did. But uh, she, she made it all the way. And when she gets there, Paul has already sent, in addition, a letter of commendation to the saints at Rome so that they have a proper introduction to this woman who has performed such an important job in bringing the book of Romans to them. Okay? Um, you know, when we stand before the Lord as believers in Christ, we understand from Scripture that, if, that when we stand there, Jesus Christ 
can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That is a challenge to all of us as we sit here today in our church and live our lives that we anticipate doing tomorrow and the next day and the day after that and next week. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, I tend to to think, though, that Jesus is not just going to repeat that, that one phrase over and over again. I think that the commendations that he will make will be very similar to the ones that he makes on behalf of, that Paul makes on behalf of Phoebe, and that Paul makes on behalf of those who were important in his life. I think the Lord Jesus will tend to be a little more specific as to why we are well done. Why he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, what do we do with challenges like, um, will we have kept our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith? Will we have pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus? Will we have run the race with patience? Okay. These are challenges to us that we might stand before the Lord and hear that personalized commentation where he welcomes us and he's happy to see us finally uh, there in heaven. Christ's commendation will certainly be worth it. Um, You know, there's a a commercial that uh, asks men... Uh, what's in your wallet? You know, what, uh, what company presents that? You've ever seen that on TV? What's in your wallet? You know what's in your wallet? Men, do you know exactly what's in your wallet? Or have you looked in your wallet periodically and say, wow, I didn't realize that was in there. I've been looking for that for a long time. Or, boy, I didn't know I had that much money in here. Uh, sometimes I'm surprised to find certain things in my wallet that I forgot was there. Ladies, do you know what's in your purse? Do you know everything that's in your purse? Do you know everything that's in your purse, the purse that you have today? All right? Um, You know, there are things that accumulate in there that uh, sometimes we, we lose Do you realize that Phoebe carried with her what was probably the most powerful presentation of Christian doctrine in existence? Phoebe carried with her the doctrinal seeds of what we call the Reformation. And God protected her, got it to Rome, and uh, it has served the people of God ever since. Now the Bible tells us that she served in the church of Sancria, which was a port city uh, just east of Corinth. Um, Women are highly esteemed in this closing chapter of Romans as they proved to be faithful servants. Phoebe is noteworthy in a singular way because she offered Paul and others significant help. Not just average help. She went out of her way to offer significant help. 
She could very well have been a woman of means and of great influence. And Paul entrusted her with the safe delivery of his letter to the church of Rome. She is, she is described as a patron, somebody who gave Paul support wherever and whenever he needed it in, in appropriate ways. You could say that she was a protectress of, of Paul and his ministry. You could say that she was a guardian. Okay? And the person that she was could very well have helped uh, give safe passage all the way to Rome just because of how people or what people knew her to be. Oh, Phoebe's coming? Uh, We've heard of her. You need to honor and respect her and take good care of her as she makes her way through the area. You know, she was carrying precious cargo, and Paul was indebted to her, and she seemed to have her own reason for going to Rome herself. Maybe that's one reason why Paul said, oh, Phoebe, uh, here you're going to Rome. Would you carry something for me and give it to the church at Rome? She was a noteworthy person, and it's worth our time to note what noteworthy people do in the service of the Lord. That seems to be what has happened here in Romans chapter 16. And it's, it's worth us hearing and seeing what this woman did on behalf of the Apostle Paul. So we have Phoebe. She's a noteworthy patron. If we were looking for another P to kind of group the rest of these people together, uh, I heard that uh, one pastor, he called uh, Paul's posse. All right. Uh, I'm going to let him have that since he came up with it. I'm just going to say Paul's co-laborers because that's what they were. They were co-laborers that Paul decided, I have to say something about these people because it will be a blessing to those uh, in Rome to hear. Okay? Now, The way I'm going to approach it is not go by each individual person and describe them individually. That would take a good bit of time. But you know, noteworthy people, Christians, uh, can oftentimes be grouped according to their similarities. And there are similarities among these people in this passage here. And I'm just going to group them into four four groups, and you'll find them sprinkled throughout, okay? The first group that I think we can see here is the things that co-laborers suffer are worth taking note. The things that co-laborers suffer are worth taking note of. Now, let me just give you a little backstory here regarding the next couple. We see in verse 3, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. 
Now, where do we meet Aquila and Priscilla before here? If you were to turn back, but you don't have to, to the book of Acts in chapter 18, you would find Aquila and Priscilla in Corinth. And they, they had been told to leave Rome because they were Jews. They were told to leave Rome, and so they came to Corinth where they met Paul on one of his journeys. And they struck up uh, a relationship with Paul. Why do you think that would be? Uh, well, Aquila and Priscilla shared the same job or trade that uh, Paul did. They were tent makers. And so they struck up a relationship. And over time, I don't know if they were Christians before they got there. Paul may have been the very one to have led them to Christ. But Paul quickly goes on to say about this couple that they risked their very own lives in some way, we're not told, um, in the city of Ephesus. Now there were some things that happened in Ephesus where Paul could have been in danger. All right? There was a big riot there. And maybe it had something to do with that. But Paul looks back on this couple and recognizes that they put their neck, as it were, on the line for him. And their courage and their dedication to Paul and their ministry was noted throughout the Gentile churches. Uh, the Gentiles apparently thought that if Paul had not made it, if this couple had not saved his life and put their neck on the line for Paul, these Gentiles may not have even come to faith. They would not have heard the gospel because Paul wouldn't have come to them because he would have been killed. So there are a number of churches that were grateful to Aquila and Priscilla for protecting Paul. One can only imagine the kind of Christians that were attracted to the church which Aquila and Priscilla hosted in their own home. That's what it says in verse 5, likewise greet the church that is in their house. So, this couple, they were mobile. You'll find them in different places in your reading of the New Testament. You'll find them that they are equipped. You'll find them to be hospitable with regards to their homes. One commentator called them, quote, a power couple, a married couple who put it all on the line. We also know that Aquila and Priscilla helped a rather remarkable man who was young in the faith. His name was Apollos. And uh, when they heard him and how he needed to be instructed a little bit, powerful speaker, but all he knew about really, as far as he could go, was the baptism of John. And Aquila and Priscilla took it upon themselves to pull him aside and to take him a little bit farther beyond the baptism of John and show him that the baptism of John was pointing to a coming Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and then Apollos was that much more equipped. We also see another couple, or at least two individuals here. Their name 
uh, appears in verse 7, Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who were of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. I'm not sure if uh, Junia is Junia or Junius, and that could make a difference in whether this is a, another guy or this is possibly another couple, a married couple. But it says, Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. These two individuals were in prison with Paul at some point in, in their lives. And Paul even looks upon his imprisonment as though it was a badge of honor. They were my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles. They were known among the other apostles. And they actually came to know Christ before I actually did. So you've got several people here. They both seem to be related, either you have a husband and wife, maybe another husband and wife, or a husband and wife, and maybe two guys that just teamed up together. They suffered. They suffered along with Paul. And Paul said, I'm, I, need to, I need to note this, and I need to share this with the people at Rome. So you have things that co-laborers suffer and, uh, together, and that we need to take note of. Secondly, there's, there's an affectionate nature of relationships among co-laborers that's noteworthy. You know, and I, I see that here at Calvary Baptist Church. It, it has to be Christ. When a person is in Christ, the love of Christ is shed abroad in one's heart. And we connect at a much deeper level than otherwise. We look out for one another. But the affectionate nature of relationships among co-laborers is, is noteworthy. We see that Paul uses the word beloved a number of times here. The hardest word for me to pronounce, or the hardest name for me to pronounce, is that guy in verse 5. His name begins with an E, Epinetus. Okay? Now you could... You could probably come up with two or three renditions of that and you'd still be okay. He was of the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ. But notice how Paul wants uh, the people at Rome to salute him. Salute my well-beloved Pinatus. He was uh, apparently the very first one that came to know the Lord from the area of Achaia. And if Paul was the one who led him to the Lord, then that would have established a, a very special bond between Epinetus and Paul. Okay. You know, you think back when you were saved, and I've, I've got that pictured in my mind right now, and I think I've shared that with you before. There were people involved in my getting saved. I remember her name, and maybe you remember some names and faces and times and places. And you remember the change when you trusted Christ as your personal Savior. You knew, based on the scriptures that I, share, I, I shared from the preface to the reader of that 
um, professor who wrote a commentary in the book of Romans, how the Lord used the words of Scripture just to turn his heart to trust Christ as his Savior. You know, you could also look back on times when first time you witnessed to somebody. Do you still remember that? When you had an opportunity to share the gospel of Christ with somebody? Maybe you were so young, you didn't even know what you were talking about. But you knew that it was something that your Sunday school teacher had said to do and to try it. Um, maybe you can remember the time when you led that first person to the Lord. You know, that, that goes back a ways for me. And I, you know, I wish, I wish that I had witnessed more than I did. I, I wished that I had taken that extra step just to say something that would have, could have been helpful to somebody who was at least thinking, okay? These are special opportunities that come our way. And as we live each day, we need to cling to those opportunities more and more. We need to pray that God would use us and help us to be better soul winners. But with this gentleman, Paul uh, won him. He was the first one to come from an area, and maybe because of him, he was able to win others to the Lord. There's a man in verse 8. He's called uh, Amplius. Paul says again, Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. You could say he was a dear friend. I just loved that guy. Beloved in the Lord. There's another fella in verse 9. Salute Urbane, our helper in Christ. Here he is. And Stachus, my beloved. And then look at verse 12. Salute Tryphena and Tryphosa. Well, if any of you uh, ladies are having twins coming up, there's a, there's a pair of names that might fit. Names are, names are just a little left of normal these days. Have you noticed that? They're very pretty, uh, attractive names, but they're just a little left of normal uh, than, you know, from the days when I was, when I was younger. In verse 12, uh, who labor in the Lord, salute the beloved Persis. Paul really loved this guy. He, he just loved him for what he stood for, what he did, and for ways that we, we don't even understand. But he was attracted to this, this guy's character and what he stood for and how he helped Paul. And notice what he said about him. He, um, he labored much. In the Lord. He just didn't labor in the Lord. He labored much. Well, I wonder, wonder what he did. I wonder what he did to go beyond the norm. Okay? God places this love in our hearts to have a special affection. All right? It, uh, is there someone here in our church, for instance, that you really bond with in the Lord? You just, you just connect so wonderfully, not, not because you have the same job, not because you're the same age, 
Not because you had the same life experiences, but because you both are believers in the Lord. And the Holy Spirit just has connected the two of you, and you are interested in each other, and each of you are a blessing to each other. That's the way it should work. I see that, I see that here at Calvary. I see it, it could be more at Calvary, where we are bound by an affection for one another. And then thirdly, there is a common relationship that co-laborers have in Christ. Okay? And it's noteworthy. It's worth putting down on paper. It's worth talking about. I, I see this uh, gentleman again in verse 5. Epinetus. Okay? First fruits unto Christ. Notice what is said about each of these individuals. It's a little different each time, but, but try to pick up on it. In verse 7, Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ. Look at verse 8. We see Amplius again. And he is my beloved in the Lord. We haven't talked about Urbane yet in verse 9, but notice, salute Urbane, our helper in Christ. In verse 10, Apelles, approved in Christ. In verse 11, we see, salute Herodian, my kinsman. Notice, greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. You get an idea, at least in this setting here, that there were some people in the home of Narcissus that still needed to come to Christ. But Paul was wanting the Romans to take note of those that were in Christ. And then in verse 12, this couple, Tryphena and Tryphosa, who labor in the Lord. Isn't being in Christ the most important relationship that, that we all have, which unites us as a body of believers here. If you are not in Christ, then, then you may feel somewhat like a foreigner. Because, you know, when people are saved and they're placed in the body of Christ, and we are now in Christ, we have this spiritual relationship that binds us together and allows us to form bodies like this because we make up a part of the body of Christ. You know, I would ask you, are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? Are you in Christ today? 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, reminds us, therefore, if any man be in Christ, He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. It changes you when you become in Christ. And I would encourage you, I would encourage you if you're not in Christ, if you're not saved, that's another term. Think about that today. Think about it in connection with how Paul viewed these fellow believers uh, in Rome. 
So you have a common relationship that co-laborers have in Christ. And then lastly, the fourth way that we can relate co-workers together is that of their labor. It's, it's their work. The labor or the work of co-workers is noteworthy. We've got people here that are described as a servant. We've got people here described as a succorer, a helper. We've got people here described as laying down their, their lives, putting their necks on the table, so to speak, because they had such a, such a love for, for Paul. They had a love for Christ. Their work is worth noting. Let's look at verse 6. It says, Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. Here it is. You wonder, okay, she's, she's bestowed labor. I think she would be worth mentioning, even if it didn't have the word much. And you are left wondering, what kind of a woman was this that just caused her to rise in Paul's heart and mind. She bestowed much labor on us. Is that where we are? Uh, or do we just do the average thing, average thing that's expected? We don't uh, try to rise above and, and push ourselves to use that gift maybe that God has given to us push ourselves to, to rise above, trust God to help make up the difference. We might feel, I can't do this, Lord. Much labor. Let's look at the same type of thing in verse 12. Salute Tryphena, Tryphosa. We get to salute the beloved Persis, which labored much in the Lord. Again, you wonder, what, what did this guy do? To get that commendation. And then in verse 5, we see, Likewise greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Epinetus, who is the firstfruits of Achaia unto Christ. There was a home church in Priscilla and Aquila's home. That takes, some, that takes a little bit of effort. That takes a little bit of time, a little bit of organization. That's labor to have a home church. And we see up to four more home churches in this passage here. If you look at verse 10, salute Apollos, Apellus, approved in Christ. Salute them which are of Aristobulus's household. Okay? Could be a home church there. Look at verse 11. Salute Herodian, my kinsman. Greet them that be of the household of Narcissus which are in the Lord. Again, not exactly clear, but there could be a home church there. In verse 14, salute Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermas, Petrobus, Hermes, and the brethren which are with them. That could identify a home church. And then in verse 15, salute Philologus and Julia, Nerus and his sister and Olympus and all the saints which are with them. Again, that could identify another home church. 
Folks, there are people that made a difference in this man's life, and he wanted them to be recorded in a manuscript that has become for us the Word of God. And when you do things within this church, it's noteworthy. Whether it's here on the campus or whether it's in your neighborhood, it's noteworthy and could very well begin to make up the commendation, that personalized commendation that you will hear one day when you stand before the Lord. Okay? You may think your Christian life is just ordinary. Okay? Nothing really exciting happens. Um, some of these people may have thought the same thing. Okay? However, God has equipped you. Don't be afraid to excel in it. Raise the bar. You've got a gift, make it work. And ask God for strength. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to use your ability or your gift. Um, don't be afraid to do the common things that are in Christ. It will be noteworthy. Let's bow our heads, please. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would take the encouragement that these people were given from the Apostle Paul, and may it inspire us to seek to do not just labor, but to do much labor. I pray, Lord, that it would seek us to reflect on the tremendous blessing it is of being in Christ the security that that means, the, the salvation that that has brought to our lives, of being in Christ. Lord, I pray that as we view these individuals, help us to raise uh, the level of our own courage and dedication in our hearts as we saw people who may not otherwise have needed to put their necks on the line for, for another man. But because of being in Christ and because of the relationship and bond that they had with the Apostle Paul, it was they could do no less than to be a fellow prisoner and to go to jail with Paul and sit in that cell together and face the threat of losing their own lives. Lord, these, these common people, so to speak, have wonderful things to teach us. And I pray that as we think about this commendation that Paul makes on their behalf, we would, we would think afresh of when we stand before the Lord and yearn and think about those words that we see in the Scriptures. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. Lord, I think that when we stand before you, you will not be sorry for anyone who is there. But help us while we are here to live with eternity's values in view and to be a blessing to people 
and in being a blessing to people, be a blessing to you. I do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take your uh, hymn book, and we're just going to finish up with singing a short little chorus <clears throat> at the end here before we dismiss. It's number um, number 59 in your uh, hymn book, if you want it. We'll have it on the screen for you. But would you stand, please, as we sing through, I worship.